A vital element in keeping the peace is our military establishment. Our arms must be mighty, ready for instant action, so that no potential aggressor may be tempted to risk his own destruction. Our military organization today bears little relation to that known of any of my predecessors in peacetime, or indeed by the fighting men of World War II or Korea. Until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. American makers of plowshares could, with time and as required, make swords as well. But we can no longer risk emergency improvisation of national defense. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. How to do this? Three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. We annually spend on military security alone more than the net income of all United States corporations. Now, this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizen can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Spinecracker's podcast. As you can tell, we're in the midst of a heated conversation. Uh, well, it comes, <gasps> up, it comes up all the time. And I, I don't even know if we haven't mentioned this before. I, I don't feel know like if maybe we have we've had a discussion. Podcast. I'm not sure. Page deckling is what Dude, it's called. Fucking yeah. stop. Publishers, stop. No just, more page deckling. Just stop. Just stop. You can't turn the pages. What if, you can't what turn if the fucking you're publishing pages. Like a, a book that's like fantasy, like a young adult fantasy novel, and the teenage no. girl wants to pick it up and be like, "This is like an old book." Oh, it's like actually that's sexist, like a dude. What about ago. a teenage? What about anybody else who wants to read it? I just use one particular example. Canceled as an example. within forty-five seconds, dude. <laughs> you can that's see a, yourself that's out. A new, that's you can a new see record. yourself out. All right. Well, cool. I'm tired. I'm gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I don't well, know. Is it it's is it recreating a, a former imperfection in the printing process? Presumably, I, that's what I always assumed. I don't really know the the history of uh, printing your pages all shitty. If that's it, that's even worse because I hate that sort of like like uh, manufacturing a mistake or consent for a new uh, thing. <laughs> like this book, <laughs> Noam Chomsky. Yeah, like the kind of like this book. Okay, so page deckling. Page deckling is the pre-distressed jeans of books. It really is, or the pre-ripped. Yeah, it just looks. Yeah. It's just lame and and try hard, and it's Cringe. also functionally, in the same way that pre-ripped jeans are functionally harmful. You can't turn the pages. You can't turn. Anyway, that's our I, official stance. You have to. You have to do it from the top, which, by the way, dramatically increases the likelihood of a paper cut, because you have rip. to like slide it down <laughs> to like yeah. to like do it. I mean, yeah, you have to, it forces you to like <laughs> lick your finger, which yeah. I hate licking my finger to turn a page. Do you like oh, smelling never... it? <laughs> smelling my finger? What? You disgusting man! <laughs> you know that's like a pet peeve of mine, right? Like licking I your hate finger. When people smell their fingers. <laughs> I, I hate it so yeah. much. I didn't know. It's so disgusting. I actually didn't really know that was a pet peeve of yours. You could be the hottest person on the planet, and I'll. Slightly gag if I see that. Do, yeah, do, is that something people do regularly? I don't, know. I don't know if it's regularly, but people do it, and I've seen it in my life, and I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, it's Not, so gross. I don't think we have on the podcast. You just want a little bit of your own ODU, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Anyway, I we're wondering what what could they possibly be smelling? Is it their own or is it what? What is there? Yeah, yeah, something. I've caught people rooting around, if you know what I mean, and then giving a big whiff. <laughs> Ew. Ew, like in their butt? Yeah, like probably in their butt. No, that's nasty, dude. Anyway, okay. if, if you right. couldn't tell by our discussion, we're about to talk about uh, Libra oh. <laughs> by Don DeLillo. Oh yeah, this is the yeah on the um on the show the Spinecrackers podcast, which is what you're listening to. Yeah, um, I'm my name is Matthew, hosted by Matt and me, Gabe, and me, Paul. Uh, I just I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, <coughs> plug the Patreon at the jump here because yeah. it's gonna be fun tonight because we've been asked uh, officially requested by our Patreons on Discord, uh, which you can join for as little as two dollars a month if you like the show. Uh, we've been officially asked to discuss our own theories about the Kennedy assassination. Um, oh, so we're, so we're gonna be going on the record uh, about that later in the show. Yes. Um. If you are interested in that kind of thing and other videos, etc., two bucks you get, uh, and the full episodes, and the Discord, it's a steal, really. Mm-hmm. Two and bones a month, little bonus videos. I think sometimes. it was a hoax. I really think it was a hoax, dude. You're you're, you're giving away content. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. You think he's <laughs> wait? Okay. You think he's Tupac'd? You think he's still alive? I think they were like sort of trash test dummies that we saw in that. Damn. Film. Okay. Holy shit. Why, well, yeah. Well, we'll why we'll buy in. the cow when the milk is free? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so come let's... on, Paul. Chill out. <laughs> I'll chill. We'll get, we'll get, lie, we'll, uh, so. we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to all that. That's not what Paul really thinks. Yeah. It's, he's what he con- really he's th- conspiring. What he really thinks is way more interesting and it'll be <laughs> Patreon only. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's um, actually probably the best I got. Anyway, <laughs> like we said, we're talking about uh, Donald. Is his real name Donald? It was just Don. I think it's just Don, right? I think it's just Don. Don DeLillo. Oh, uh, his 1988, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yes. novel, yeah, pseudo, semi-historical, semi-fictional novel, Libra, about the assassination of 
John Fitzgerald Kennedy, President of the United States. That's right. R.I.P. By the R.I.P. By, by the coward Lee Harvey Oswald. By the coward Lee Harvey Oswald. Great fucking movie, dude. Yeah. Great <laughs> fucking movie. movie. Jesse James by Robert Ford. Ooh, watch it if you like westerns. Yeah. Um. I think I've mentioned that on the podcast too at some point. For sure. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, we're talking about Libra. Uh. And uh, this was your choice, I believe, Matt. Yes, sir. So uh, take it away. What's the book about? <laughs> Very simple question. <laughs> and um, why'd you pick it? Well, I picked it because, you know, I'm slowly going through the, uh, or want to go through the sort of early DeLillo. I've had some disappointments with the newer stuff. Um, Name names, baby. Well, we read Cosmopolis. That was quite disappointing. <laughs> I read, I, I can't even remember. I can't even remember the other. He's just got a lot of these, like, you know, he's he's old and he's writing these little tiny guys like sh- now. Way short books, yeah. Yeah, and they're just, you know, they're they're this kind of um, minimalist, meditative stuff. I would is zero K one of them. I I am sorry. Yeah. I know he's got a new That's one out too, ish. But anyway, uh, yeah, I just I heard really good things. Um, the idea of a sort of historical fictional biography of sorts of Lee Harvey Oswald's very interesting turn, at least in my experience of DeLillo. I mean, Underworld, he also incorporates mm-hmm. massive historical trends to tell a story, uh, you know, in, in this way. Also, I didn't realize this, and I mean, we can double check m- my uh, facts on this, but uh, I believe he lived on the same block as Lee Harvey Oswald as a kid. Wow, is that right? In, in the Bronx, yeah. Let me let me let me do a quick fact check, but uh, keep that would keep explain going. Some fascination. Yeah, it might explain the initial draw and all this kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, the book is about again just the sort of uh, uh, fictional, non-fictional uh, life of Lee Ar- Harvey Oswald as he goes from childhood to the killing of the president and his eventual own demise at the hands of Jack Ruby um, in a sort of story most people know. And, uh, yeah, he just sort of plays with that. He's clearly done a ton of research here. Uh, oh, yeah, big time. But, you know... Confir- there's, there's, myth confirmed, by the way. It wasn't quite the same block. It was like six or seven blocks, but in the same oh, area, oh. in the same general area of the Bronx. So yeah, it's just it's it's the story we all know so familiarly, but like what's interesting is that it's kind of you know, it's playing with the idea of the or conspiracy, right, in America, the mm-hmm. sort of rupturing event that created the notion of deep state, dude. The deep state and conspiracies and uh kind of the you know, the ground zero for a lot of the people that started to go into death spirals of citizen journalism and speculation and paranoia. And uh he plays with that in this and he plays with the idea of like narratives and storytelling within a story that is also questionably fictional questionably not by mixing like kind of super granular factual information with uh what are obviously like you know written and made up conversations and moments with the fucking cia interacting with each other and with oswald and cuban exiles and russians and exactly so yeah. So I think like most of the the factual stuff. So like the book basically is divided up into like three time spaces, like three timelines, 
right? Yeah, the chapters are like dates. Most of them are dates or it's like in this location, right? Right, yeah. right. Um, and it's divided into two parts. There's part one and then part two. Right. And the the some of the chapters are about Oswald's early life. It's basically a, a sort of biography of Oswald, mm-hmm. right? Written in a much more literary narrative type style. Um, uh, but from what I can tell, most of the facts of that part of the book are factual and like mostly historical in terms of like these are events that actually happened in Oswald's life. The stuff about his mother, his marriage. Um, from what I understand, most of that stuff is pretty pretty much con- confirmed fact. Um, although I'm sure DeLillo took certain liberties with aspects of it, right, in terms of his writing about it. Um, but in terms of, like, where Oswald was living as a child in the Bronx, in New Orleans, um, his time in the military as a Marine, his defection to Russia... Uh, all of that stuff actually happened, right? Yeah. Yeah, that um, can all be like fact checked as like timestamps that actually took place in his life. Right. And Which, so we, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, and Matt and I, Matt, you, you and I were talking about it like last week or two weeks ago, and I, I was like asking you because I hadn't looked it up yet, but it, it, like DeLillo seemed to do a lot of research and figure out basically like from a month to month or day to day even basis. Um, figure out where Oswald was just throughout his whole life and concocted like an entire fictionalized story. But I mean, divulge a lot into what could potentially have taken place in some aspects or just like, you know, taking liberties, but also insinuated that, you know, this, I mean, showing where his whereabouts were and, and like tying all the pieces together. It's like kind of strange that, or it's kind of shocking if some of these events didn't take place mm-hmm. to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, 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 I'm not. I should have confirmed, but I, I think you had some, some help, some inside help with this. Also, you know, they they still haven't released the full. I don't know if it's the Warren Commission's like report or whatever, but just all the all the classified files on the JFK thing. Like, we still don't have all that. Right. Trump, Trump postponed them. Biden recently postponed releasing more. Mm-hmm. We got a recent dump actually, like a couple months ago or something like that, uh, of like new stuff. But you still get the new stuff, and there's a lot of you know the the, the black marker bars, mm-hmm. redacted shit, just all over certain things. Uh, so yeah, they've been strategically trickling out all the documentation, and even then. But yeah, uh, what's interesting about Oswald is yeah his. He's so granularly accounted for mm-hmm. that Delillo would be able to do something like this. Like he would, mm-hmm. what he would know pretty much more than he than almost any other historical figure is like know when he was like fucking going to the bathroom or the store. Just weird, <laughs> weird because they like they you know they combed over all this shit. Um, so it makes sense that it would be the one thing that's pretty like concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you, so you have this timeline of Oswald's life. And then you have this other timeline of that starts much more that that starts in the in the story much closer to the actual event um, about these three kind of disgruntled CIA people who uh, are are the kind of mastermind who end up being the masterminds of the conspiracy um, 
and they all have kind of different motivations. Most of them, all of them, really tied back to the failed uh, Bay of Pigs disaster, the the yeah. attempt the attempt to overthrow Castro. Um, so you've got Win Everett uh, is one of them who basically is a he was basically forced out of the CIA into a he was teaches at a college now looking for potential recruits to the CIA so he's still technically in the CIA but he's not in the juice you know what i mean in the way yeah, that he was yeah. and and he misses that and so he's disgruntled he wants to get back in it's kind um, of written as a uh, it's kind of written as like a downgrade sort of insulting job thrown at him yeah yeah exactly and he goes to they go to great lengths to emphasize that it's at a women's college at the beginning, right, which, yeah, which yeah. is which is like supposed to be a, a even doubly degrading position for him to get. So you have him, and then you have um, Larry uh, Parmenter, uh, Larry, Larry, aka Larry Parmesan. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> when you once you get into the mafia side of things, yeah, so there's, there, there's a lot that goes on. We, we'll have to get to in the details of the plot later. But uh, so you got Larry Parmesan, and he's he's pissed because he kind of with advanced knowledge of the Bay of Pigs thing happening, made a, a shitload of financial investments in Cuba that right. he hoped were going to pay off once Castro was deposed and, of, of course, never materialized because the invasion failed. Um, so he's pissed about that. And then you have T.J. Mackey is the third main conspirator who is pretty much just ideologically mad at Kennedy that he didn't do enough in the Bay of Pigs, like with air support and like, you know, it bit like all of these things that Mackey thinks he could have done militarily to make it success successful. So I would say he's kind of like the most ideologically motivated of the three um, in terms of, you know, wanting Castro done and hating communism. Well, whereas the other two have a little bit more like personal motivations. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I think they represent like different, ways in which like the CIA could have been burned by right. by Kennedy and how they might feel about it. Well, I'm sorry, I already forgot the first guy, the the um Win Win Everett. Win Everett. He's sort of like the Win he, Win, he's, I think, right? Win. He's Wynn. the he's he's kinda like the the artist. He's the one who is is creating the the profile, the the personas they would say in like marketing mm -hmm. like you 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 spin out uh, a narrative that you try and like guide this person through right and is Mackie the one that's like more in the like directly kind of stalking oswald or is it Parmesan? well so there's so there's also david ferry who's uh, a, another associate of them who works for a another former fbi agent guy banister and I think yeah, and, Bannister. and so they are the ones who kind of are more directly involved in, in getting my finding Oswald at first. Mm -hmm. And those are real people. Yeah, those are real okay. people. Right. Um, from what I understand. Um, although not didn't do the things in the book that we know of. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, like, you know, there's an encounter like David Ferry. It, it, there's a lot going on here, folks, so bear with us, right? So, because, and it's all jumbled. And we haven't even touched on the third sort of like narrative line, which is post the Kennedy assassination, we have the perspective of Nicholas Branch, who is the kind of like CIA 
archivist chronicler who's tasked with going through all of these documents and images and artifacts. Kind of um, like the authorial insert. Yeah. <laughs> It, it it seems like it's just an ongoing thing that he'll continue to do his entire career. Yeah. There's just like more documentation coming in all the time that he just has to sort through. My 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 take to give away a little bit of a, a you know, my feelings about the book. I think the the branch aspect of the book is actually the most uh, thematically important and philosophically interesting. Um but we can come back to that later because he keeps getting these dumps of documents, right? Because it's his job to kind of like put together the official U.S. kind of like history of this internally. Not even U.S. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's an internal document. That but no, one, works, no one's going to see. But he works under somebody else when, who just has, what's the, the name? The curator. The curator. So like, <laughs> Which I think even is a very, telling, a very telling like uh, um, uh, appellation for this person, right? Who he never meets. He only talks to him on the phone. And this is the person who just keeps, like you were saying, Matt, like we've been getting these trickling kind of dumps over the years. And that's basically what he's getting as well from this curator person. Um, so I think I think Branch is just like the more like straightforward authorial insert like he's DeLillo. In a way, yeah. Like, yeah. I think basically yeah. grappling with the nature of what he's even doing and like his own experience with trying to do it. Mm hmm. So, as I said, the, the, the plot gets very convoluted. There's uh, So, basically, the, the conspiracy is that Everett, Parmesan, and Mackie want... <laughs> mac and cheese, Parmesan. Mac, mac and, and cheese, Parmesan, and I'll oh, yeah, what could Everett be? Mm. EVOO, extra virgin olive oil. <laughs> okay. <what are> you? <laughs> Evo. Evo, okay. Um, so, Evo, Parmesan, and mac and cheese are uh are cooking they're cooking up this delicious yeah. let, dish let him cook let dude. him cook dude <laughs> exactly let him cook and basically the conspiracy is they want to stage a in their original plan a failed assassination of kennedy um an epic miss they want an, an epic miss. an epic miss right they want the shot to miss kennedy they don't want to actually kill him originally um and uh, uh, they want to frame someone for it at this point when they hatch the plan. They don't know Oswald. And their hope is that this gets Kennedy worked up again enough about because they're going to make it look like it was, you know, Cuban, uh, Cuban people who did it, Cuban forces. Right. Yeah. They're setting up a paper trail to Miami. Right. To like link it to a uh, Cuban exile, like radical group. Yes. Um, and so. They that's the that's basically the original plan. Now it gets uh, fucked up, basically in the mix, right? And I think it's a it, Delillo does a really good job of kind of like, and I think this is a very meta meta historical point that he's making here because he does a really good job of describing how this plot, how this conspiracy, how this plan sort of like as more and more people get involved, you get the mafia involved at some point, you get actual, you know, the Cuban uh, uh, exiles involved, you get uh, who else is involved? I, I, I don't think any local Russians police. are directly. Yeah, but lo oh yeah, local police. You know, you got the whole Jack Ruby thing later. And you do, you get the white Russian sort of informers too. Yes. Who I'm assuming are all those like high society people in Dallas. Right. So the more complicated the the plot gets or the conspiracy gets you get this really good sense particularly for parmesan and, and evo um 
about like them realizing that this is like gonna is getting bigger than them and it's becoming like quickly unwieldy and out of their their control um because Mackie kind of goes a he goes uh you know off in a different direction because he's the one who if I'm remembering correctly he's the one who kind of meets with the uh other two Cuban radicals and the mafia connection right yeah who want to actually kill Kennedy. Right. <laughs> um, and so he kind of takes the plan in a different direction. And that's where we get in this, in the novel, multiple shooters at the, in the actual moment. Right. Cause originally it was just supposed to be Oswald takes a shot, misses, disappears. Right. Right. They make it, they make it look like it was Cubans, but when it actually happens, there are actual Cubans on the grassy knoll. Right. Which is a real <laughs> conspiracy theory that the, the second shooter theory, um, who, take take the shots at the same time as Oswald with the actual intention of killing Kennedy and and obviously succeed in in doing so. And yeah, then spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert yeah. Kennedy then, dies. Kennedy dies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he gets shot back yeah. to the left, yeah. Um and then uh the the plan the adjusted plan at that point was then to also kill Oswald, but they can't get that done before he's arrested. But then the mafia has Jack Ruby do it later anyway. Yes. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the the mob boss in Chicago, I I, I wish I could remember all this stuff. Uh, Carmine, uh, Carmine something, I think. Carmine Lada Carl or something Lada, like Lada, yeah, Carmine Lada, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a real guy. Uh, I'm trying to think whoever who else is real because I try and, again, it becomes difficult. I should have probably, like, parsed them all. But, yeah, Bannister's real, Ferry's real. Um, one of the Cuban radicals, I believe, is... Potentially real. Uh, Did you guys read yeah. the afterword about how it's was like that? strictly fiction and yeah, yeah, any similarities? Like all, all of the CIA uh, people that were mentioned oh, were not actually real. Does mine have I like, that? that uh, I don't know if mine wrong. has that. <laughs> it should. It's the same edition. No, this mine is the first edition. Oh, you mean like the author's note? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I think I think. Uh, Delillo is probably just covering a, his ass a little bit. It looks um, like Carmine Lotto is not real, but might be oh, based on a real person. Okay, my bad. Uh, yeah, because he got in trouble for this book, too. People were like, well, people were specifically mad that Oswald was such a sympathetic figure, ultimately, in the mm. book. Like, that he seemed to have, like, empathy for the dude and kind of painted a yeah. somewhat sad, sad portrait of a guy. <laughs> who's kind of right. just a impoverished simpleton with like delusions of grandeur who yeah. is just completely instrumentalized. Well, so let's talk about well, that. I think that's deplorable um squib. Squib. In my mind. Whoa, it's you're giving you're really giving squib. away the game here, Paul, in terms of the, <laughs> oh, the final segment. <laughs> well, I mean, if the wizarding world is the deep state that you have to go to <laughs> terminal <laughs> 9 and 3 quarters to access, then yeah, for sure. True. <laughs> Well, I mean, this this brings me to wanting to ask you guys, like, what what I know, Gabe, you already said your favorite aspect of the book. Yeah, I love the uh, branch stuff. Yeah, Matt, what, what's yours? Because I have I have mine that I'm I know is different than yours because we're different readers. But. Well, I mean, I think honestly, I just love the whole book how it works, like as a full like artwork. Because I think Delillo's kind of having it successfully both ways. I feel like the amount of research and, and the kind of stories weaving is 
is plausible in a way, and I think he what he is genuinely also at some point maybe or or the whole time trying to give an actual theory of his own. Like I wouldn't uh-huh. be surprised if that were true, but he re- understands that. Uh, he also describes conspiracy so th- so well, like the yeah. the kind of black hole, the kind of endless sort of toilet bowl you can drain for the rest of your life, um, just obsessing yes. over this kind of thing and like the kind of fractal nature of facts and how they <laughs> everything can be connected to everything. You know, you can go crazy. Yeah, yeah. So like that that feeling of despair where you have all of this information, right? It's all fact, maybe. But you have all of these facts. I think he says something about facts in the book, but like, and they pile up, and you're like, I should be able to do something with this. These are all things that are purportedly real. And yet, you don't have an answer to this like super concrete reality of the president's back of his head getting blown off. Right. Yeah. Um, and what is particularly interesting to me, and especially what Branch sort of helps bring to the, you know, into that mix is like, in a way, this was kind of, you know, if there's CIA manipulation, this was kind of in itself a narrative work. And uh, that makes it impossible to extricate from the fiction in ways that the book is also performing and doing. So I just, I just, I just thought it was great for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I think DeLillo showed his ability and his love of conspiracy, but his ability to, like, weave a con- a a conspiracy together so beautifully in such like a famous conspiracy theory, like and just present it the way he sees it, but with an artistic flair as well. And also just being able to like my favorite part of, of the book is actually like, I love what you just said, but my, I think my favorite part is like the connection between um, somebody like Oswald, which I just thought his like the, the character that was developed and his like, his psychology was just so fascinating and deplorable to me. I just absolutely hated the guy, but I love the connection between like in the similarities between a lot of the CIA agents as well, how they're all kind of like connected and have similar darknesses and like loves, like I forget what character it was, but there was one character that that was a CIA agent that like loved just like the, the, the idea of being alone and just being like a cell mm. and like following someone and just taking notes. It kind of reminded me of like a Paul Auster novel. That, that's so funny you mentioned that. I was thinking of the, that, that too. Well, one of the New York trilogy specifically. Yeah. But I mean, that, that, those, that type of darkness though, I feel like is in DeLillo because he's so fascinated with this whole sort of like, you know, going into the archives and, you know, alone, just like concocting the, all of these things together. Um, not to say that I think DeLillo is a freak, but I, I think he just like <laughs> was kind of just <laughs> displaying his like appreciation, but like a dark, a darker side of his fascinations as well. So I, I just at, at the end of it, I was like, this is a fucking work of art. This is like well, a yeah. crazy he's weird got- work of art. He's got a whole book just called Underworld. <laughs> right, <laughs> you right. You know, he, he, he does like that. And a lot of his um, novels uh, sort of star as a protagonist, some kind of like weird, cold, intellectual, like technical person in like a kind of, you know, somebody who works for an arms manufacturer, or like a <clears throat> like theoretical physics mm-hmm. <laughs> lab or something like that. He's... He's definitely, you know, Cosmopolis even contains an aspect of that, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's him 
unsuccessfully looking at uh, like Wall you know, Street, uh, like m- money markets, yeah. and you know, anticipating a little bit kind of cryptocurrency stuff and all that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and, and the other person I would I would immediately think would probably get a link would be Pynchon. Uh, yep. But Delillo is so in tone and approach so much different. <laughs> like Pynchon's like a dark clown. Like he's just very silly. Uh, and he means very serious things, but Pynchon is, or uh, Delillo is just like serious, serious. Yeah. You know? I, I wanted to, um, I have a, I have a something that I did want to read a, a, a little bit, because I didn't, um, we were talking about this before we started recording, actually, but, you know, if you listen to the last episode or the Patreon segment, at least, you'll know that we, uh, I, at least, I'm a big annotator. I'm a big writer in books and uh dog ear and all that stuff but i didn't do any of that for this one because i have a i have a first edition which i know it's like for this book it's not like super rare or anything but you know there's a sense of history and paul your copy's fucking signed right yeah i got a signed copy that's pretty nutty um anyway also just shout out to uh thelonious drunk books who you can find uh, around yeah. on, the, on the internet um on instagram i don't know if i don't think he has a youtube ch- panel channel does he i think he does Dude, I'm not, I don't remember. I'm ashamed to say I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, Thelonious Drunk, who's a, a friend of the show, um, actually gave this to me. So this is his copy that I that I was reading, and I, I felt uh, you know you know a little little uh, I didn't want to fuck with it too much. Anyway, so I don't have a ton of stuff that I wanted to flag. I was I was just sticking uh, Magic the Gathering cards in certain pages. That's pretty much what I was what I did because that, that's harmless. Yeah. Um, but anyway. I feel like this is a really good description of, you know, the what what we were just sort of describing about Branch and the sort of like hole of conspiracy and the darkness and the obsession and like the the sort of like attempt to find meaning in any of it, right? Um, and I have a lot more to say about this thematically in terms of like. I think this. I think this is a postmodern novel, not in its writing, but in its themes. Oh, for sure. Specifically about history and narrative, but we can talk about that more maybe in the Patreon segment or if we have time. But anyway, so this is uh, Branch talking about you know his uh, uh, sort of task, right? Uh, so this is from two ninety eight to two ninety nine, and it's a little long, so bear with me. But I think it's it's relevant. It's important. The curator, which by the way is capitalized, the C in curator, which is yeah. important, right? The cur- the curator is like the fucking like, I don't know, I don't know what he is symbol like the demiurge. Yeah, he's yeah probably the best example. You know, yeah. he's like this like above it all figure. The, uh, he's fucking the uh, the Matrix too. I don't. I don't the know. Architect. Architect. The architect. Yeah, the Colonel Sanders, the architect. Or he's like fucking. Uh, he's like fucking <laughs> Sale from e- Evangelion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. The curator sends autopsy photos of Oswald. Nicholas Branch feels obliged to study them, although he doesn't know what he can possibly learn here. There are the open eyes, the large wound in the left side, the two ridges of heavy stitching that meet beneath the clavicle and descend in one line to the genital area, forming the letter Y. The left eye is swiveled toward the camera, watching. The curator sends the results of ballistic te- ballistics tests carried out on human skulls and goat carcasses on blocks of gelatin mixed with horse meat. There are photographs of skulls with the right cranial portion blown away. There are bullet-shattered goat heads in close-up. 
Branch studies a picture of gelatin tissue model, model quote-unquote, dressed like the president. It is pure modernist sculpture, a block of gelatin layered in suit and shirt material with a strip of undershirt showing bullet smoked. There are documents concerning exit velocities. There's a picture of human skull of a human skull filled with gelatin and covered with goat skin to simulate a scalp. The curator sends FBI memos concerning the president's brain, which has been missing from the National Archives for over 20 years. <laughs> he sends an actual warped bullet that has been fired for test purposes through the wrist of a seated cadaver. We are on another level here, Branch thinks, beyond documents now. They want me to touch and smell. He doesn't know why they are sending him this particular grisly material after all these years. Shattered bone and horror. That's all it means to him. There's nothing to understand. No insights to be had from these pictures and statistics. From this melancholy bullet with its nose leveled and spread like a penny left on trolley tracks. How old he is. The bloody goat heads seem to mock him. He begins to think this is the point. They're rubbing his face in the blood and gunk. They're mocking him. They're saying, in effect, here, look, at, look, these are the true images. This is your history. Here is a blown out skull for you to ponder. Here is lead penetrating bone. And I just think, like, I felt like that was such a good passage of... I highlighted that one, too. Yeah, like, and it goes on a little bit more, but I thought that was a fine place to stop. Like, th this sense of just this dump of raw data raw images raw materials documents like there's another there's another bit at one point about where they get um where they get oswald's mom's dental records you know and it's and it's just like what the fuck is the point of any of this right like what am i supposed to do with this and i feel like it was just such a an apt descriptor for the way that 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 this kind of um conspiracy spiral goes for people you know and I think, like, as the novel goes on, um, Branch kind of gets this sense, like you could tell at the end there, that, like, kind of sending him on these wild goose chases is is the point, that there is no, like, reality here, there's no meaning, there's no anything, it's just to keep him occupied, like Paul said earlier, to just keep him fucking occupied with bullshit forever, you know? Yeah, it's busy work. Yeah, and I think that's, yeah, what a lot of people who get, like, completely, like, sucked into conspiracy end up essentially doing. Which, I know you like to say, Gabe, psyops are a psyop, right? Like, yes. The I mean, concept that would, of psyops is a psyop. That would be the function of that, right? Is to get somebody, to get people just, you know, what is it, like, just, like... If you're asking, if you're searching in the wrong area, you can ask all the questions you want, kind of thing. Like you, you yeah. you're you're able to just bury yourself, and it's for no reason. I feel it made me think of, uh, yeah, I think that that's true, and I feel like that all of the branch parts of the book capture that so well, and his gradual like descent, like there are descriptions of like all of the materials like overflowing out of his office into into the hallway and like, you know, he just gets deeper and deeper into this stuff and he's like realizing that there's no end, there's no point, right? There is no one answer to this question that he's been tasked with answering. And he also gets sent, I think, I think significantly, he starts getting sent uh, books yeah. And novelizations themselves, mm -hmm. uh, like, about the idea of the JFK assassination, like, straight-up fictional, like, hard-boiled detective novels, yes. and, like... Uh, and he's kind of being yeah. forced to read those as well, right? Yep. It's like, every, everything that comes across his desk, it, like, has to be reviewed, so he's like, okay, I just I have to read this novelization now. 
you can imagine the curator sending him a copy of Libra. Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? Like yeah. that's the thing. <laughs> it's another function that I thought this. Yeah, that's so good. Like the curator, if he's a demiurge, then he's just keeping people in hell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Did you guys ever see um, uh, Matt? I, I bet you've. I'm, I imagine you've seen it. Paul just went away to go pee. But um, fucking um, slacker link ladder. Yeah. Yeah. There's that there's that great scene in the bookstore with the JFK conspiracy theorist guy. Do you remember <laughs> yeah. that? I know. Already just such a like archetypal American. Yeah. And that movie was from like the seventies, wasn't it? Uh yeah, maybe, maybe early maybe 80s. early eighties. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. I could be I could be wrong. Um but it's funny because I was thinking about that reading this book and I because I lived in Texas for a while. Um and Did I Did you ever take the tour? I, I didn't take any uh, official um, tour. Uh, oh, yeah. Slacker is 90. Never mind. I was way off. Okay. Because we, we took a road trip and we went through Dallas. Yes. So, w- yeah. And we went to the site, didn't we? We went to Dealey Plaza, yeah. Yeah. So I've been there a couple times now. I, w- I was there once with you and once or a couple other times with friends when I was living in Texas. But but in Texas, not even just in Dallas, in Austin and in the big cities, if you go to like used bookstores, almost every time there's a whole section dedicated to JFK stuff, right? Because yeah. it's still Total cottage like that industry. Pop- it's a cottage industry. But my favorite like personal anecdote is like if you go to the Texas uh, the the book depository, right? There's a little plaque. That says like this is where you know Lee Harvey Oswald allegedly uh, you know shot and killed John F Kennedy and people over the years have have it with like knives and screwdrivers like etched around the word allegedly on the <laughs> on the black so that it's like <laughs> which I just always found so funny. Well, it's it's particularly sad, right? Because you know, I don't know. It's it's uh. Again, this is my tragedy because I'm a little more sympathetic, I think, towards like a conspiratorial line of thinking. And the reason I think I am is just it feels like a, a, a to me it is a a good orientation on some level to j- of just kind of like skepticism. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when it gets that when it metastasizes to that level and just becomes itself like a problem it's just like a depressing rerouting of those kind of energies to just something kind of like pointless and toxic. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the whole question of like thinking about like being in a conspiracy mindset in general, I think like, I think this is also part of what Delillo is getting at, which is that it is in many ways, simpler to imagine a conspiracy like this as complicated as it is than like a the 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 actual complications of like history and like and like how individuals lives are kind of like pulled into history this is something that in, in the final speech that i think um uh, i forget who gives who finally uh, convinces oswald to join i don't know if it's parmesan or um <laughs> someone else i forget but he, he gives him this big speech about how, like, this is his destiny, right? right. And, this is, and this is how he's being called into history to act and to, like, do this, this kind of this thing. And, of course, in that case, it's, like, sad. And we should talk more about Oswald, I think, as a character because we've touched yeah. on it. But, and how he's portrayed. But, 
you know, and of course, there's the astrological connection to the, the, the title of the book, Libra, which is Oswald's real sign. Um, and of course, like has the the scales of uh, the balance scales as yeah. its like thing, which is like a lot you could say about that. Um, but I, I think that like for Delillo, the conspiracy mindset is like comforting in a way that it's like it's uh, it's much more complicated to sort of think about the sort of layers of narrativization of history and how it undergoes these like laminations of interpretation over the years. Um, and, and like that there's really no one answer here in, in reality. Like it's this, this un unintelligible thing. It becomes that right over time. Um, and it's interesting. I was reading about, so Norman Mailer also wrote a biography of Oswald. Um, and, What's the name of that one? Uh, I think it's just called Oswald's Story or something like that. Um, Oswald's Tale. Okay. Um, and I found a quote from that book, and that came out in the 90s, I think. And I found like a quote from that book, I think it's near the end, where he sort of says like, I don't have it in front of me, but he sort of says like, you know, he basically comes down and says like, it had to be basically this, right? It had to be you know, Oswald or, and, and whatever, whatever, like, because, because basically his, his argument is we need there to be a straightforward explanation for this, because if it's just like, if it's just like absurdity, then that's like, I think the phrase he uses is corrosive. Oh, no, I actually found it. Okay. I forgot. I, I still had the saved. Okay. So this is at the end. Um, so, but Mailer, and this is where he starts getting into conjecture about about the assassination and he says we've come at last to the philosophical crux of our inquiry it would state that the sudden death of a man as large in his possibilities as john fitzgerald kennedy is more tolerable if we can perceive his killer as tragic rather than absurd that is because absurdity corrodes our species and so i think like this idea of having a a, a clean answer one way or another conspiracy just oswald whatever is easier to wrap our minds around than like all of this postmodern historical stuff that Delillo is getting at in this book. I, I think, just talked for like 10 minutes. I think that's why the focus is on Oswald. Cause I think that's the only way to really get at, to get at the complications and absurdities of history. Like that's why I think there's so much focus on this man and his sort of poverty. He's got dyslexia. He's kind of like this, uh, He's got. He's raised by a single mom, and he's he's got bad these, marriage, like, bad marriage. Like, and he's trying to like himself abuser make sense, abuser of women, mm -hmm. uh, trying himself to make sense of like his role in the world, uh, and like. But in such yeah, a I think I think that's how he gets to it. Lazy way that it, that is part of his character that I really found fascinating. Yeah, like I don't he, think Oswald was, a, like, he wasn't a significant, like, smart, t you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't, like, a particularly talented or, like, special yeah. person. He, he really was just, like, just a mark, if yeah. they, in, at least yeah. in this book. And, yeah, yeah that he's makes like, it, he's also he's kind of a pathetic vessel. When well, uh, it starts, and I, I feel like DeLillo does a really good job of laying this out from the beginning of, of Oswald's life, where he's, like, a, he's like kind of behaviorally deviant as a kid, right? Like he 
he pulls a knife on his like sister-in-law, right? His brother's wife, his older brother's wife. Um, he like he buys a gun when at a young age uh, from uh, David Ferry, who comes back later, right? Yeah. Um, and he always has these like delusions of he's been he's like really interested in communism from a young age, and he wants to go to Russia and like. You know, so he has yeah. all these kind of like Paul was saying, like these various sorts of delusions of of what his life could be. Right, like the communist he's also angle. Like a, he's also like a thief, or well, one like really cool quirk he had. Not cool, but it was like a a, a cool addition by Delillo was him throwing away his trash in other people's trash cans and like walking <laughs> yeah. Yeah. blocks to try to find trash. It's just that added that little detail just added to like his whole character with like a little cherry on top to me. Just like he, he was just like a yucky, like a, a type of kid that I remember from like high school or something. I was just like, you are rubbing me the wrong way, and like your brain is wrong. He's got so bad vibes. Just bad <laughs> vibes. And I really like the um. There's a segment talking about how he looked in different photographs mm-hmm. across time. And how he he ended up looking like different people from one photograph to another. Like mm-hmm. In one photograph, he looked like a really handsome man from a certain angle, and then looked like a complete like shadowy figure in another one, or looked taller. Uh, he he was the type of person that I mean, in the book anyway, just like lacking substance of any kind, and that added to his like directionless nature of just being like, I'm gonna defect. Oh no, I love like. I love America. I want to be a Marine. Oh, I, but he also had this like violent tendency that was yucky mm-hmm. as well, where he's just like kind of defiant. Um, I really like the, uh, the chapters of him kind of standing up to his, uh, military police prison guard guy. Oh yeah. Remember that? He tried to shoot himself in the foot to get leave. Yeah. Or in the yeah. arm, I think. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he goes through these cycles, right? Where he's interested in communism and then he joins the Marines because he wants to see the world. And he's like a he's like he takes on the like good soldier kind of patriot persona. Uh, and then he defects later. And then when the Russians try to manipulate him and to get like use him to get information about U.S. Uh, like airplanes, the U-2s. Right? the U-2s. He he gets pissed about that, and he's like, "I don't I don't like being manipulated like this." And he tries to go back to the United States, um, and then you know, and then later in the book, he tries to go to Cuba. He's just like all over the place, you know what I mean? In yeah. terms, he really like you said, Paul. He's like contentless, and I think there's a there's a scene where uh, two of the agents I keep I can't remember I can't keep everyone straight in terms of who's in every scene. I think at this point, it's probably Everett and and um, Parmeter because Mackie's off like plotting his like side plan I think by this point but they're talking about and someone and one of them says like what well what do we do if Oswald doesn't cooperate and the other one goes well we just make a new Oswald and a third and a fourth right it, right because it's just it's just a an agent is just a vessel mm. like Paul he's was an saying input yeah he's an input to yeah. like a, a sort of missionist process yeah and, well, and, and Oswald and the, and the, oh go for it I was just to say, like the sick, the sick aspect that sank into me about the CIA in general is just like these are the types of people that understand those types of characters. Maybe because there's an aspect of these vessels that they're seeking out within themselves, which 
kind of terrified me because I was like, okay, at maybe at the very heart or core of any militaristic um, government is is like a CIA type program. You know, it's like maybe possibly the core and the twisted nature of that really disturbed me throughout the book. Just like, you know, someone joining the army because they're going to make their family proud is like just that surface level of like American pride. But when you get to like the absolute core of it, it's just like sickening shadowy figures that are twisting all the fucking knobs. The demiurges, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like Oswald probably has something closer to like maybe like an oppositional defiance disorder or something Mm. like more like that. Cause he is just this cipher, right? He's like a Zelig type figure just appearing. Because yeah. every time he goes to one of these authority figures, he does seem to want, like, simultaneously, like, approval. Like, he's really kind of sycophantic and, like, yes, sir, like, how high can I jump for you? And then as soon as, like, he feels like they don't like him or they aren't his friend. Like, I remember in the KGB, like, he had Alec or whatever, and he was, like, thought Alec was, like, his buddy for a while. Right. And then Alec's, like, you know... It's not his name. He works with the KGB. Right. He's just observing this fucking weirdo who decided to come in and ha- waiting to see if he'll say something about U2 bombers. Uh, yeah. Then then he's like, fuck you. I'm actually a double agent for the U.S. false defector program, and I'm a spy. Right. And like, so he just flip-flops no matter what he's doing because, yeah, he's he's contentless. He's like nominally a communist the whole time, but it doesn't really add up. Like... It's just this thing that he can hold on to to say that he understands history mm-hmm. and kind of lord over people so that he can continue to feel some sort of superior. He's all ju- it's yeah. all just like so vague, right? Even the he's just such a, a a vague personage and even even like the um the attempt to kill General Walker, right? Right. Which it was all, which was also real. Although um, the Alleged. guy, the, uh, yeah, although the guy that he does it with, Bobby Dupard, I think is Delillo's creation, right? Um, who was his f- former cellmate when he got in trouble when he was in the the army for trying to sh- for shooting himself in the arm. Um, even that is just like this very like, you know abstract like okay the guys uh you know he was against the civil rights movement i think and and he you know was uh anti-castro and he they're like let's try to kill him like it's just like so like (laughs) you know yeah i have a little quote Um, yeah like the flippant nature of his of his impulsive decisions is disturbing yeah yeah it's always at the end of the day it's always just this like hair-brained bullshit (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. he's like you know I'm an important man and you know I'll make my name known and then he just yeah he just fucks up doing something that's like he seems f- really well planned but in his own mind where he's like I scouted the streets and I drew a map of the city <laughs> right but then yeah. he just fucking whiffs a shot and there's nothing <laughs> uh, I have a little quote from he wasted a cool down he wasted a cool down on Walker <laughs> it's okay so uh, it says uh this is Oswald. He calls himself Trotsky in the Bronx. Uh, maybe what has to happen is that the individual must allow himself to be swept along. He must find himself in the stream of no choice, the single direction. This is what makes things inevitable. You use the restrictions and penalties they invent to make yourself stronger. History means to merge. The purpose of history is to climb out of your own skin. 
He knew what Trotsky had written, what revolution leads us out of, the dark of night, of the isolated self. We live forever in history, outside ego and id. He wasn't sure he knew exactly what the id was, but he knew it lay hidden in Heidel, which is one of his pseudonyms. So, yeah. I mean, he's putting yeah. himself there, too. Like, he's like, I don't want to be me. Like, I want to be a vessel. So he's also wants to be that no nowhere man. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Which I which I found another... That was another connection, I think, between the CIA agents. Like, they were attracted to that as well. I'm not... When I say that, I don't think that they have, like, similar personalities in, in, to, like, a huge degree. But I think there is some sort of connection between... I don't know. It's just like people that are involved in the type of world that they're involved in. They end up like having these sort of very weird connections. Yeah. It reminds me, there was one segment where I can't remember at this point. I think it was Oswald talking to somebody and they were like having this huge moment of like almost like a dreamlike conversation of connection. Mm -hmm. You guys remember that? Where they were like, they both kind of became poetically talking to each other. Which, to be fair, happens a lot. A that happens a lot yeah. in this book. <laughs> yeah, that is true. There's but a lot of like, waxing philosophical. Yeah. But it was like they, they both like succumbed to some sort of trance when they met each other. And it was very eerie. I wish I would have underlined it, but I had Was it him and David Ferry when they like buy the gun from each other? Or is it like when he's already part of a, the plot officially? I cannot remember. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, I know. It's it's like the CIA agents, they're creepy because, like, the idea of history that you want to write sort of becomes why you're able to manipulate the people in the conditions like you are nominally creating or mm -hmm. something like that. Like, if you are sort of, whatever, at the levers of power, like these people are or believe they are, then it does become somewhat conceivable to just sort of take a person and refashion them for some reason, because like you made the conditions that would create that person in the first place or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I also just wanted to mention, like you mentioned Paul, like a lot of the like little details about people's lives that, that are like, there's this whole, there's this whole little section about um how uh, Everett's daughter is like, Meant having like going downhill mentally, and she like thinks her parents aren't her real parents or something anymore. Do you guys remember that? Was this? scary. That was like they look like us or something. It was really yeah, scary. Yeah, it was very, it's a, but it's a, it's not relevant to this plot or anything, right? No, it's just kind of this weird out there aside little bit. And I think what Delillo is doing with all these little details about, about uh, you know, uh, Oswald's life, about the lives of the CIA agents, about his, he's doing the thing. In a, on a literary level, and obviously it works literarily because it gives you like a little bit of more, it like helps draw the characters in different ways. But he's also doing the thing where he's just giving you random details, like the same thing that Brant has happening to Branch, right? He's just getting random, irrelevant details that he's trying to sift through. Right. And none of it makes any sense or, or potentially means anything, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, when we have this section about Everett's daughter, who shows up, I think, like twice in the novel. Uh, and is completely like inert to the plot. I think that's kind of what he's doing is he's creating a conspiracy of interpretation in the novel, like in the novel as well, like oversaturating with detail. Because I started interpreting when I read that passage. Yeah, I was same. like, 
whenever it because he's constantly like it was always bedtime yeah that was another thing that whenever it always says like he is like the plotter fashioning this character oswald for his own purposes but then he is just like so checked out of his life and living it in this kind of like rote way that even his daughter like doesn't even think he's a real guy <laughs> right you know his daughter's like okay when the robots power down that are claiming to be my parents i'll escape yeah the house yeah it's very weird but yeah so oswald it's also he did try and kill himself in the ussr mm -hmm. um yeah he cuts his wrists it's all very like again right this isn't this is a fictional account like the characterization of oswald is one of a sort of hopeless uh, just kind of yeah, like you said, Mark, like just a dupe, mm -hmm. just a patsy that's like uh, thinking that he's part of something important, and he is, but he's in no way an like, agent. Actually, he's aware, not, like, has a, no agency. he's not agentive at all. Which is what why they call I don't really an, an asset, like, not an operative. I guess right, right, yeah. exactly. Which is why, like, I don't really understand the you know, I didn't really dig into the contemporaneous reactions to the book, but it's weird for me to hear that people were like, this is too sympathetic. For Oswald, because yeah. I don't think it is at all. <laughs> I think the fact that you would be maybe sad for him in some way is just too much for certain yeah, people that are yeah. like, you killed our fucking president. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Jack Rubies of the world, you know? Right. Yeah. What did you, what did you, th I think the Jack Ruby stuff was interesting too. And we haven't really touched on the mafia angle. Yeah. But he's a, he's another interesting character because uh, he's like, more of the traditional kind of like small businessman, patriot, like police booster, uh, you know, type, yeah. type guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Our who's, boys in blue. Who's, who's also in debt to the mob, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like has a fitness fetish, but then also keeps popping. Were they amphetamines or downers? I, I for, I'm not sure. I forget. Yeah. And runs a strip club in Dallas. But also is going through financial troubles and. Has like yeah, he's in really high anxiety. Yeah, remember when he was talking to like his I forget who it was, like just like a financial advisor or a friend or something, and he was just kind of flipping out about like what to do <laughs> and how to get investments or like too proud to get investments, and it was an anxious chapter just being like. But uh, there's a similarity there too, I think, between Oswald, where it's just like oh yeah, absolutely, they both have this ability to just like everything in their life is just going to fall apart and they can't do anything about it. Right. Yeah. And, and so they're Ruby, always searching after like a big leap forward to solidify their uh, importance. Their sense of self. Like, yeah. you know, because like, because Ruby is sim similarly to Oswald, like you said, Paul, he's like similarly basically just used as a vessel for the mafia to to get to kill Oswald. Right. So it's yeah. just like the same process iterating a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He wants to be like this pillar of the community. He's also got a lot of anxieties about being Jewish. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, ultimately, yeah, he's just <laughs> he's just sort of a sweaty, petty business owner slash criminal running strip club, <laughs> running yep. a strip club, kind of exploiting women. Yeah. And I guess that's part of the potentially why people were turned off by the little uh, depictions of maybe both those characters is they were 
are, are they just viewed as people that are victims or prey that were coerced into doing something terrible by these larger systems? Yeah. But I, my view, my viewing was just like, I don't know. I have a, a different belief, like belief on the matter of just like there are, there's types of people in my mind that are just like, <laughs> how do I put this lightly? <laughs> just like a, an aspect Careful. of society where they're just like kind of, they're the types of people that are susceptible, um, but they can just be kind of deplorable human beings. I think that's everyone who thinks everything is a psyop is like that. Can be what, acceptable, what? but mostly deplorable. Well, no, they're just like they're like they're like mini mini Oswalds. Well, yeah, I mean, people can and, and like, yeah, I don't know because then I just go to like a meta conspiracy in my own mind of like <laughs> that's just used to spread misinformation again to keep people sort of scrambling and doing busy work for something that doesn't matter. Well, we'll we'll. Uh We'll save the talk about our actual views on conspiracies for the uh, Patreon segment. Yeah, um, we're at an hour, but I did want to just say to uh, to what Paul was just saying about like Oswald just being like a victim of of you know forces outside of his control. I think that I think that that remains true even if there is no conspiracy, right? Like, yeah, I, I think that that still would be the case historically, even if Oswald was just like a disgruntled. You know, who knows what his in in reality motivations really were for for killing Kennedy. But like whatever they were, they were the forces outside of his control, you know, historical forces, social forces, cultural forces, personal history forces. So, like, I think whether it's like a conspiracy of Oswald's own life, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I don't. Yeah. The president's dead. F. R.I.P. Huge F. F Kennedy. Huge F. F. And the, the F stands for <laughs> F to pay respects. S Bear says K for killed. <laughs> John F to pay respects killed. <laughs> <laughs> That's what JFK stands for. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. And if, yeah, what were you saying, Matt? Oh, no. I, I love the uh, writing for the actual event itself. I thought that was mm-hmm. really like tight and tense. And I was oh, like, it was ah. super stress and stressful. Well, because then there's the moment where Oswald realizes he's been... I thought this was really interesting because there's the moment Oswald realizes he's been set up when he sees the other shot come from someone who he knows wasn't him. And he still does the rest of the plan anyway. Right. Right? Yeah. Which is like so weird to me. He's like, they got me. They got my back for sure. Yeah. And he still goes through with the rest of the plan. Yeah. He's 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 a weirdo, man. He's a patsy. He's acting on on weird impulses and weird spirits within his mind that he doesn't even understand or listen to. I agree. We listen. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> I, hate, I hate that guy. Yeah, we, it's the official position of the Spine Crackers podcast that we are anti Lee Harvey Oswald. We don't we like. We don't like him. Favorite, yeah. Um. Well. Although like JFK a, gets talked up a little too much. <laughs> 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 Didn't deserve to die, but the dude's not a fucking saint. Come on. True. I, yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Disagree. Y'all know what time it is. It's, it's, we're a little over an hour here, so. It's time for our problematic queen segment. (laughs) Our problematic fave segment. (laughs) You're an asset, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so if you're new to the show, this is the uh, Harry Potter house segment where we take. Um, some... It's called We Just Did Read Another Book. So sh- so shut up. We just so talked about it. Let us do it. We can do it. Uh, although, you know, extra charged now. This... Yeah. Historical. Uh, Gabe. Sorry, oh, I'm here. Yeah, I was just saying. Extra controversial because of uh, Wizard Game. Wizard His... Game. Wizard Game Gate. Historical forces outside of our control. Don't, yeah, literally, historical forces outside <laughs> of our control. We're just at, we're just uh, vessels here. Don't um, don't uh, yell at us in chat and make us cry on stream. Um, <laughs> and confess to our wives about yeah. deep fakes. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> I just thought that was very. That funny. was very very funny. Yeah, it was. Um, very gross. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, this is where we take some of the characters uh, in the book we just read and put them in their respective Harry Potter houses. Pretty straightforward. Uh, also, disclaimer: no one, no one remembered to bring a word tonight, so we're skipping the uh, word Scrabble word segment. Sorry, Apologies. sorry to anyone who's that's their favorite segment. Um, <laughs> Forgot it. Which I bet is a lot of you. Know, it's a very, I'm sure it's a huge. Waiting popular. an hour. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You waited an hour just to hear that. Uh, so, um, I don't know. We probably, there's a shit fucking ton of characters and we haven't even mentioned a lot of them. Like the business guy with the long name. George Morenschild is another real person that you should really look up. He's interesting. All right. Well, let's talk about him when we, after the jump. Um, but yeah. So who do you guys want to do? When we haven't talked about who the narrator of the book fucking is, that's a whole nother thing. Okay. (laughs) Damn, we fucked up. No, no, no. But I mean, whatever. I don't know if that, we'll talk about it. It's it's I'm nobody, dude. Just... It, the narrator of the book is history itself. Is the dancer? Mm. I'm good with just doing Oswald. I mean, you want to just do like Oswald? You guys can do the other, some of the other ones if you want, but I feel like an idiot. But a lot of the CIA, they kind of like all bled together for me. Mm-hmm. When I was reading it. I was like, well, I think that that's intentional because, like, again, yeah. like Matt said, they're all just kind of like, like, pote- like aspects. They're basically, they're like the three pieces of the Triforce. Where they're all <laughs> yeah. just like aspects of the same thing and like hypothetical possible motivations that could have been behind a potential real life CIA conspirator. You know what I mean? And as we yeah. all know, in the Triforce, there's a quaternity in the Trinity. Yeah, so exactly. Secret fourth triangle. <laughs> the curator. Yeah, the curator. <laughs> all right. I th- I'm down with this. You know, I'm down with uh, just doing Oswald. If people are mad, uh, you stay mad. You, you can stay mad about it. And I think mm. we, we Oswald's a pretty obvious sort as well right i i think he is well i don't well, okay go ahead <laughs> he's puff. puff puff he just he just goes along with whatever man he's just you know like he's he he just kind of is is he's he's doing it for his friends man people he thinks his friends <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he doesn't have a lot of like uh he's not uh, a he's not a critical thinker not that hufflepuffs aren't critical thinkers but he's I don't know. I think he's a queer, a, a queer, clear, <laughs> a clear squib. You think I he's mean, just a squib? Hufflepuffs are loyal. I feel like you guys the last few times have forgotten about the loyalty aspect of Hufflepuff. I know he's not loyal I, to anybody. He's like or any he cause sees like a really. Tall, shiny figure, and he's yeah. like, ooh, that's. Oh, he could be a Slytherin. He could be a Slytherin. He's he is basically out for himself. And like he has delusions of grandeur. Yeah, he's always yeah. he's always thinks he's playing someone else. Ooh. To become a notable figure. Did this just did this just get complicated? I think we just complicated the situation. Wait, so Paul, what? How do you how do you determine when someone's a squib? They clearly suck at everything, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also no magical abilities whatsoever. 
I mean, the guy can't accomplish anything in his life. It's true. Um, he's a bit. He's a fail son. He is a fail son. He's a fail assassin. He's a fail assassin. <laughs> ah, new type of city person. Yeah. I don't know. Is a squib someone who has a particular set of attributes or is lacking any of the core attributes of any of the four houses to such a degree that they you can't even point to a single house because they don't have enough. Like yeah. Maybe he doesn't have enough Hufflepuff. He doesn't have enough Slytherin. I I think he, he has, has a, like I think he's yeah. dumb, I think he's dumb Slytherin. <laughs> dumb Slytherin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. He's like a crab and goyle type figure. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly, yeah. dude. He's just at the at, he's just at the whims of Malfoy the curator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Julius. Yeah. Julius Malfoy. Or what's his name? His dad? Right? I think it's Julius. Lu- Lucius, no, Lucius. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. Luscious. Luscious. L- luscious hair on that guy. <laughs> yeah, damn. That's he looks sure. like That's a Targaryen. Sure. Yeah, it's legit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with dumb Slytherin. I, I I get where you're coming from with the squib, Paul, but I think he's a dumb Slytherin. No, I'm yeah. going dumb Slytherin now. All right, yes. I think we all we've we've reached an agreement. Yes. Dumb Slyth. Dumb Slyth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, that only leaves one task left uh, to do for this portion of the show before we get into uh, our real life thoughts on conspiracy theories. And uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Baudrillard. So uh, that should be fun. All right. Um, in the Patreon segment. Uh, and so stick around if you want to do that. Spinecrackers.com, Patreon.com, slash Spinecrackers. We don't have a website. Um, no. Yet. Patreon.com slash Spinecrackers, $2 a month to get you the full episodes, ask, access to the Discord. Uh, you can ask us uh, questions uh, at the end of every show. Oh, we should post in the Discord, see if anyone has questions. Um, and uh, get to interact with our lovely community there. So do that if you want to. Um, which means the last thing is, what's the score for the book out of five? Oh my god. Dibs not first. Oh my god! That means my it's mine. You, yeah. God. Once again, I have not thought about this until this exact moment. <laughs> it's okay. It's real. Dead air. Dead air. Paul. Dead air. I'm gonna Did you like four point five? Damn. High oh, score. Okay. Yeah, I really, I really loved it. I mean. I I just I just really loved it. I don't know. I mean, my favorite aspects. I think I've talked about a lot. Just like the the characterization of Oswald, I thought throughout the which you know goes throughout the whole book. Obviously, was just like totally mesmerizing to me. I thought Delillo like understood his psychology so well, and it just really really creeped me out. But I obviously just love the interweaving nature of the entire story and mm-hmm. how Delillo must have like really done so much research and so like you know connected so many dots together to get everything correct but also the added layer of just being so beautifully written and um i wish we did i wish i did uh, write down more lines or underline some lines because he just he some of his lines were just like eerie and chilling and beautiful all at the same time in a way that was so surprising to me after reading reading cosmopolis my only other delillo book Mm. it was just like whoa 
like I could I could see the similarities, but it was so much better uh, than Cosmopolis. It was wild to experience <laughs> yes. that. Yeah, very true. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I really like the uh, just the indulgence of the conspirator the conspiracy theory, and just I, I don't I'm not a fan of conspiracy theories at all. Mm. For like me personally, but it, it made me like little curious. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't think I'm gonna look into any of them, but I was at least curious. Paul, so, well, Paul uh, stay tuned. You never know. Paul's gonna go down a rabbit hole by the next <laughs> episode. I'm not the type. Paul's gonna be on the deep state. <laughs> um, I agree with a lot of what Paul said. I I uh, I really loved this book. Uh, it it's my third Delillo, I believe. Cosmopolis and I read White Noise, which I also loved, but I think this is my favorite of those three. Um, and you know, again, like comparing it to like Matt was saying, this I guess I guess with some of the later work, Cosmopolis being the one that I've read, I I felt like the writing was just like better. Like it was just like it was yeah. just like there's there like Paul said there were passages in here that were just like beautiful and eerie and weird and like struck a tone that. I didn't necessarily find in either of the other two, um, you know, Cosmopolis in a bad way. White noise, I think is just, is just in a, something is like sort of in a different register of like s- yeah. satirical, you know, poking fun. So it's like a little different of a, of a stylistic approach that DeLillo takes there. Um, but everything in here was just like, he was, he was juicing it uh, from a writing, <laughs> writing style perspective. And you could tell he was in vet. I mean, he said after I read an interview or p- bits of an interview where he said, this was the most, haunting book he's he's written like this is the one that sticks with him the most probably because of the research because of the time investment because of the weirdness of it all um and i think that comes through in in his writing and in his approach to the book um so i loved it i think it's really really interesting on a philosophical level which i've touched on that i that i that i think in terms of like his views on history and and narrative and the way we make sense of events um and I just I loved it from that perspective. And then the insights into the conspiracy mindset, I thought were just spot on. Um, so, yeah, I loved it. Uh, Four point six for me. Woo. Yeah, I'll go ahead and say that I was going to give it the same score. Four point six. Uh, I thought it was excellent. I really loved it. Um, you guys put it really nicely. A lot of the things that I would also say I enjoyed about it. Um this is my favorite DeLillo book as well. I do have some passages that I just want to read. Please, for the, yeah, for the we jump. need more. We need more. Um, so, yeah, if you guys buy the book, if you want to read them, or if you just want to hear us say them, little two bones. <laughs> little, two bu- uh, little two bucks. Two bucks. But, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to describe any more. You guys did a good job. Uh, I'm just giving it a 4.6. I think it's one of the best books I've read so far. Great book. In your life? It's up there for one of my <laughs> favorite the, books. This year? I mean, certainly this oh, year. Oh, this is going to be on all yeah. of our year-end lists, probably. Yeah, definitely. But uh, Unless, unless we have an absolute heater year. We, we do have some bangers coming up. Mm-hmm. Some theoretical bangers. But yeah, I mean, I think this is up there. The only other one that comes close but is entirely different would be History of Bombing. Oh, that you read that this year, yeah. Yeah, Linkvist. Um, that sounds interesting. I read Stoner. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> so yeah 4.6 man excellent great book read it and um thanks for listening to the show 
Uh, if you like it, you know what to do. I already talked about it. Patreon.com slash Spinecrackers. Give us a follow on Instagram. We post uh, you know, on there when we do new episodes. Sometimes funny memes. Um, and uh, there's a lot of great people that uh, you can find on there as well that uh, you know share stories and whatnot. And um, you know, I hope everyone's doing good out there. Shit, man. <laughs> yeah, every, everyone. <laughs> everyone, just, uh, just look out for yourselves. Just yeah. be safe out there. Yeah, take it easy. Take some you time. You know. Yeah, that's yeah. important. All right, Spinecrackers out. Peace. Bye. On the plane back to Washington, word was radioed from the White House Situations Room to Lyndon Johnson that one individual performed the assassination. Does that sound like a bunch of coincidences to you, Mr. Garrison? No. Not for one moment. The cabinet was out of the country to get their perceptions out of the way. Troops were in the air for possible riot control. The telephones didn't work to get the wrong stories from spreading if anything went wrong with the plan. Nothing was left to chance. He could not be allowed to escape alive. Well, I never thought things were the same after that. Vietnam started for real. It was an era of, I don't know, make-believe in the Pentagon and CIA. Those of us who'd been in secret ops since the beginning knew the Warren Commission was fiction. But there was something, something deeper, uglier. I knew Alan Dulles very well. I'd briefed him many a time in his house. But for the life of me, I still can't figure out why he was appointed to investigate Kennedy's death, the man who had fired him. Dulles, by the way, was General Wyeth's benefactor. I got out in 64, resigned my commission. I never realized Kennedy was so dangerous to the establishment. Was that Warren? Well, that's a real question, isn't it? Why? The how and the who is just scenery for the public. Oswald, Ruby, Cuba, the Mafia. Keeps them guessing like some kind of parlor game prevents them from asking the most important question, why? Why was Kennedy killed? Who benefited? Who has the power to cover it up? Who?